Titus was serving on an island called Crete that has no dangerous animals or reptiles on, on the island. And, of course, there's Catholic legends that Paul came and ran the snakes off, but they got the wrong island. I mean, if you want that kind of legend, go to Malta, where he shook that snake off in the fire and didn't die from the bite. But it does have its own breed of dog and a bunch of breeds of bats and some unique creatures. It's the largest of the Greek islands, Crete, and it is a... uh, home to close to a hundred cities and it's long east to west and not too long north to south um, you see east to west it's about 160 miles at its furthest points and north to south at its furthest points it's about 37 miles <coughs> so it's home to close to a hundred communities uh, 3,219 square miles, over 650 miles of shoreline, and home to over 600,000 people. We don't know how many people were there when Titus lived there, but we know he was he was overseeing more than one congregation. So unlike Paul's letter to the Romans, which was to a congregation in Rome that no doubt had multiple expressions in houses, um, Similar to his letter to the Galatians, which was to a community of churches in a region called Galatia, Titus was responsible for the spiritual oversight over more than one church. Uh, we don't know how many, but more than one church on this island. It's the fifth largest Mediterranean island, and it is um, a Greek. It's one of 13 states or regions of Greece, and it's the one that has the least unemployment. So what does that do to the rumor that Paul voiced about them being lazy? We'll get into that later on in the book. Uh, was he saying it's true they are lazy, or was he saying the guy that said it is is a false teacher, and this is an example of what he said, and I believe he said it. Whichever, whichever way you want to believe in that, I'm not going to break fellowship with you, but the current state of Greece is, is pretty bad economically because there is a bunch of laziness going on, men retiring in their 50s and... Uh, it's nice if you can, but if the country can't afford it, I mean, they're going into bankruptcy. And so, anyway, um, it's an interesting place, and Tom has been close to there. Uh, Greek yeah. island cruise or Greek island hopping? Well, we went from uh, Athens and Corinth to Rhodes and Santorini, and then Ephesus, and up through the Aegean Sea and the Aegean Islands, and then stopped in Istanbul. We went by Crete, but we didn't stop there. Yeah, there's evidence of uh, volcanic activity in that part of the world. Remember Pompeii and Santorini, uh, evidence of tidal wave activity in the past. Uh, Crete. Did you say 600,000 people? Yes. And you gave it acreage. They no square mi- square miles is uh, 3,219 square miles. <coughs> 3,200 some square miles. Square miles, yes. Close to 100, 100 really towns. It's the one Greek island that doesn't have to have tourism to survive. Huh. It has it, but it doesn't have to have it. Huh. Um, it's self-supporting with dairy 
stuff like that. It's an industrious, industrious place. Um, maybe they were lazy, and that verse in the Bible got them going. I don't know, but uh, it's um, the uh, Paul mentions it in his letter, in his experience. Luke mentions it in Paul's experience. Um, where he was shipwrecked and all that. They were sailing around Crete and trying to get to a place called Fairhaven. In fact, the children's home we support in Covington, Louisiana, where a group is going in a couple weeks, named themselves after that place. And uh, back in that day, there was a seaport called Phoenix that I think is mentioned in the book of Acts. I'm not sure. Uh, Anyway, um, interesting place. And so... How does that connect to our icebreaker? Well, just think they had animals that are unique to them. They were enough to have their own, uh, kind of like Australia, far enough away from other places to have, and, and large enough to have its own unique twist on flora and fauna. And uh, there's a certain kind of antelope that lives there. And so anyway, parakeets. Parakeets. Any parakeets? I don't know. I don't know. Since you know. So much about. I don't know a whole lot more, man. We're straight from the bottom of the barrel. They think the Philistines may have come from there, uh, but that's, well, the Greek, that's not in the realm of and certainty. The, the Greek mythology, I thought it was Crete that they. Hercules is credited with running off all the dangerous animals. But they Greek discovered uh, woolly mammoth skeletons, I think. On really? Crete. Okay. I didn't run across and that. The skull. Looks like a cyclops because okay. of the way the horns come in. There's one big opening instead wow. of two, and it was connected to the mythology. And I thought that was okay. on Avenue Creek. Okay. So. Well, I, I I just think it's interesting, maybe trivial, to know a little bit of something about where mm-hmm. Titus was when he received this letter. Uh, there's several. Uh, clusters of mountains on the island, so it's an interesting place to be. Uh, the climate is like that of North Africa in most places, but up in higher mountains, I'm sure it's cooler, yes? Um, so, when they're having church, what does that look like? Like, because you're saying Paul's writing him a letter and he's overseeing churches? Yes. What? what is, can you put- it's believed by some that Acts never ended. If you go to Acts 28, there's a 29th chapter. There is no 29th chapter, but let's just read the last verse of Acts. He's under house arrest. Um, He's in Rome under house arrest. Verse 30, the last two verses of Acts, says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So it's believed by many scholars that he he didn't he didn't stay under house arrest till they beheaded him. He continued to minister and uh, got up and wound up going to Crete and establishing a work and then sending Titus to be in charge there. Titus was definitely one of Paul's guys. Uh, I printed these verses off if we could just kind of skip through them. Um, 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to them. Uh, He's setting things up for them to accept 
I mean, he's, he's addressing a lot of things, but he's actually setting things up along the way for them to accept the leadership and ministry of Titus. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. So God gave him an open-door ministry there, but he, he didn't have total peace in his heart because he didn't know where Titus was. They didn't have cell phones or Facebook or, or an APB technology to find people. And uh, he found them later. Chapter 7 of Second Corinthians, they come to Macedonia. Our bodies, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, for we were troubled on every side. You ever had a day like that? Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So Titus found them in Macedonia. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. So Titus is a relationship-oriented guy. He helped, he helped make connections between Paul and, and this church in Corinth. Uh, verse 13 of that same chapter, Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort. You know, they were glad at the words they, they heard from Titus. And we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been rejoiced, refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you, as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. So I stand corrected. He wasn't setting this, the, the case for them to accept him. They, they knew who he was, but he was just relating to them his relationship with them and how he was used of the Lord to help him stay abreast of what was happening in Corinth. All right, chapter 8. Verse 15 begins, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he also would complete this grace in you as well. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. So God's using him to minister here in Corinth, I guess. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So they sent somebody else with him. So Paul definitely has a relationship with this guy. All right, verse 22. And we have sent with them our brother. This must be some other guy whom we have proved diligent in many things. But how much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So he is kind of appealing to them to respect Titus, because Titus has actually served them. 
so no doubt he's probably traveling with this letter. All right, chapter 12. He's reminding them of his relationship with him because of what people are saying about him. Verse 17, did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Do we not live in a time when there are spiritual people taking advantage of folks? Mm-hmm. Nail in your $500 for a new anointing. Mm-hmm. Sow a seed. Mm-hmm. Make a $57 offering for a <laughs> Titus and Paul were not those kind of guys. You know, those handkerchiefs that were taken from Paul and sent to the sick, there was no money involved in that. All right. That's off the point. Now, here's my favorite thing about Titus. He was a Gentile. He was uncircumcised. And he's the first recorded leader in the scriptures. He was an uncircumcised man in the New Testament church. Galatians 2, verse 1, Paul said, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So this guy was walking in grace under the reign of Jesus, the law of Moses, having been fulfilled. And so, this is an awesome thing. I think. So He's he's one of us. So Paul, who was sent to minister to the Gentiles, right? Yes. And the Jew himself, he's really, he's really proud of Titus and tells he people is. about him he everywhere is. he goes. It looks he like is. He is. Yeah. He's proud of him. And Titus, when Paul went back to Jerusalem for the Apostolic Council... Titus and Barnabas were there with Paul right. at, during that council when they had to come to a definitive answer amongst the church of, you know, do you get circumcised like a Jew or do you stay uncircumcised like a Gentile and can you both worship the same God in the same place? Right. You know, with Peter and, and the rest of the leadership there in, in Jerusalem. Yeah. Hmm. So... You know, Acts 15 records Paul and Barnabas as they're appealing to them, the basis of what God is doing. Why put on them this burden of the law of Moses that we have to deal with in our, in our Jewish culture? And so, based on what he said here in Galatians, Titus was with them. He was present in Acts 15. And he was... A testimony, the fruit in his life was a testimony that God does save outside somebody trying to keep the law and nobody can keep it 100% anyway. Um, I was at another church here in town at a citywide event and I had to confront the speaker after service. I did it civilly, uh, but I did tell the, the leader of that church that I was going to speak to their guest speaker because their guest speaker was speaking at a Bible college in the Metroplex the next day. And uh, I was appalled. The speaker was just really glorifying the Ten Commandments and downplaying the red letters. 
And so I went, I went and questioned the things Jesus said. But where, would this, where did you hear? I, I don't want to say. There's a church here in Granbury, though. Oh. Yeah, so it was a guest speaker. Okay. So I was, you know, I, I commended the person's skill of communicating and all that, and then I, I communicated my concern. And this person said, well, the ministry of Jesus was transitional. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? Yeah, the law wasn't destroyed. It stands. It's eternal. The ministry of Jesus was transitioned. I said, are you kidding me? God's word made flesh, came and spoke things that don't stand for eternity. What about the Great Commission? Teach my, you know, make disciples and teach them to observe everything I commanded. Um, well, I hear what you're saying, but I wouldn't say it that way. I said, man, I am concerned. You are going right off. You're going to pick and choose? I said, what about wearing wool with linen? Oh, that's ceremonial law. I said, that was not ceremonial law. That had nothing to do with how the tabernacle, that was how people were to live. You're going to pick and choose from the law of Moses? It's just crazy. Anyway, it's like the enemy has no new tricks. His greatest strength is relentlessness. All right? And so the same weapon that defeated him in the past will defeat him again. We just have to be more relentless. Dig out Galatians again, blow the dust off of it, and get into it again, and teach it to new believers so they don't get sucked into that stuff. You know, I'm all about understanding the feasts and how Christ fulfilled them. I love that. You know, Passover Seder is a beautiful thing if you understand how Christ fulfilled it. But getting to the legalism of this stuff is just, I, I, I just think there's a danger there if you get away from Christ. Anyway, that's, that's way off, <laughs> way off the lesson. So back to Titus. Um, I know introductions can sometimes be boring, but I wanted to, to uh, share some of this with you. This is Frank Mead's take on Titus, and he may be a bit of a Catholic, I'm not sure. And so he wrote this about Titus. He said, Paul called him mine own son after the common faith. They had much in common. Both had patience, prudence, tact, determination, brains. Once they missed an appointment with each other, Paul said, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus. Remember? He was Greek, the first uncircumcised Christian. Paul took him down to Jerusalem as a test case for the council which settled the circumcision controversy. Paul won. Thereafter, the Greek convert was known abroad as a leader of the church of the uncircumcision. I don't know if that's true, but uh, the Catholics... Which is the Gentiles, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Titus went on two great assignments. Three times he was sent to Corinth to lay down the law on immorality, the Corinthians were backsliding, and to take a collection for the poor. Later he worked with Paul in Crete, where all men were, and so this guy accepts what the person had said, all men were liars, evil beasts, slow bellies, and gluttons. He plucked thistles and planted flowers in Crete. And where did he get that? Catholic Church, I guess. The Cretans liked him and elected him their first bishop. I don't think that's true. <laughs> this guy's establishing churches. Paul, he's the one electing bishops. There's no democratic thing happening to people electing bishops. 
He was sent there to choose bishops. You will see this. So the Catholic Church didn't even exist at that time, did it? No, but, but you know, as well, they, they mixed got, in... They got 100 years. They, just yeah. like the Jews, they had... Uh, Catholics have a lot of, of stories and fairy tales that, yeah. that they pass along as tradition throughout the years. Yeah. So it's just just like um, yeah. the Jewish fable they talked about in Titus. Yeah. Catholics yeah. had their own um, storytelling. They would say they existed then. But if you go to where the Roman Empire embraced Christianity, and that's where the, the mixture began to happen, and that's where Constantinople. Constant, you know, Constantinople and Nicaea, and some good things happened. I mean, Christians got the heat taken off of them. That was awesome. They were happy at first about this. But in the centuries that followed, this tradition came in and all these crazy things about things that aren't important. He planted thistles. I don't... Things like that. Yeah, things Plus like this. Uh... <laughs> messenger now this is the next thing he writes messenger test case bishop that was good better than that is this Titus shared with Timothy the honor of being Paul's most efficient helper the Greek and the Jew needed one another as the artery needs a heart or the heart needs the artery One's no good without the other. Yeah. So we tend to think we know more about Timothy than Titus because Paul wrote more to Timothy. But Timothy, no doubt, was younger. He was a young man. Titus was probably an older, more mature man and needed less. You know, I'm getting into surmising here, but maybe he needed less. So anyway, that's the introduction before we dive into the book. Any more input, questions, observations before we start reading Scripture? That's what it looked like. They were looking for each other, I guess. Paul was probably an easy guy to find in those days. Look for the gangs, huh? All of the trail of handkerchiefs. I don't there for a good while. Follow the empty hospitals, yeah. All right. Follow the shortage of handkerchiefs, yeah. Was it, was it possible to get circumcised? I mean, could, could they, was that part of the discussion? Was the Gentiles could get circumcised and then they'd be allowed to worship with the Jews? Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, it's possible. Let me tell you. you. Believe in Jesus, do and Gentile, but you can't be together until the one guy is circumcised. Yeah. The, the initial thing. argument was the Gentile first has to become Jewish to be able to become a Christian. Yeah. And, and then become Jewish, you'd have to be circumcised. Yeah. And for a man, it's major surgery. It's three days to get over it. In fact, there's a story in the in the Old Testament of one of Jacob's daughters was raped by a neighboring someone from a neighboring tribe and so to make peace they agreed to all be circumcised. All the men in the town. All the men in the town were circumcised and when they were sore, which means they were just out of commission, the brothers of Dinah, Dinah's brothers went in and killed them all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Really yeah. That wasn't low at all. Huh? I said that wasn't low at all. <laughs> They actually got the lost part of the blessing because of that. Yeah. When Jacob, because they did that without without approval or authority. Yeah. Circumcision uh, was, and it still is, a hygiene thing. 
But it's so much better if you're going to be circumcised to have it done with your baby. It just seems, yes. for me, and this, I'm processing, it just seems odd. It's just a physical change now all of a sudden you're part of the game. But, but, you know, but remember, this is at a time when crude instruments and no antibiotics, yeah. not even alcohol. It was the covenant sign. It was the covenant sign was circumcision. Like, like a wedding ring is a covenant sign that a bride has a husband covenant sign that you have a covenant with God in the Old Testament was circumcision. So it's c- kind of like baptism in a way of like... It is. It's a symbol. You a have symbol. to do this. To, you know, it's just a twin that you wear for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't wash off. <laughs> now, <laughs> women, this is, this is another thing I, I learned in college. Women with circumcised husbands have a, a better chance of not contracting um, cervical cancer. Is it the circumcision, or is it the fact people living under the law are more likely to be faithful to their wives and not go out and catch diseases? I don't know. Well, the point is, the church had to embrace a new covenant fully to accept um, Interesting. Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're still culturally. I mean, this is part of their culture. Does a person have to reject their culture to be a believer? Does a, a Jew today have to reject Jewish culture? and start eating pork chops to be a believer? No, he didn't have to. Within the context of his culture, mm-hmm. people can become a believer. Mm-hmm. If you do, otherwise you create all kinds of bizarre things. Example, in Africa, missionaries for years have tried to turn their converts into Americans. Yeah, make dress up in suits and everything. Yeah, they have them wearing suits and all that stuff. And I witnessed this myself. We went to Liberia, where missionaries have been there for decades before us. The worst church music in the world I'd ever heard in my life. Because the previous missionaries had taken their drums away. You worship Satan with those. You cannot worship God with those. Here's an accordion. Oh, it's just... It'd, like, make your skin crawl. Here's a guitar, out of tune. Just It would drive you bananas. Sometime I'll show you guys a video of, of one of them singing. They, they, eventually, missionaries got away from that. They allowed them to bring their drums to church. And the music became wonderful. You mean it's better than singing? Do you think that's why he... Because that was... I'm sorry, I don't want you to ask me questions. Uh, what, why, why do you think he made all these points to say, anybody inquires, he's my partner? It's like he had this... Why did he have to... Like today, if somebody was coming to our church... Do they come with a letter of recommendation before? We try. Sometimes we put a bio in the bulletin, just like, who is this moron up here? Who is that? It just helps people. It helps it speed up the research. Well, yeah, it probably was. Probably was. Yeah, yeah. They, were very, they were very biased. Well, and, yeah. and at that time, remember, the first place that they would go and preach was in the synagogue. Right. If there was one. Where the Jews are. Where the Jews are. I thought Crete was uh, all Gentile. No. Mm-mm. Okay. You know, everywhere, you know, all over the Roman Empire were Jewish enclaves that met in synagogues. So Paul would just use that network to spread the gospel. I mean, the pipeline was there. It was awesome. Judaism was an approved religion under the Roman auspice. Christianity wasn't. It was considered a a sect of that Jewish religion for a long time. Yeah, so Christianity was illegal. So to be kicked out of the synagogue was to be made illegal. So yeah, it just he had a lot of go with it because he was uh, a Gentile. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of Gentiles who went to the synagogues or proselytes who liked to observe to see what things were going on. So yeah. it made it even a better place to try to launch the gospel. 
Um, many of many of the early first believers were also proselytes who came to know the Lord because it would take, I think, of three generations to actually become a Jew, and then our children could be considered Jews. But it made it made it for amazing. And we're looking at the history of the synagogue, and I, I believe it started with the Babylonian captivity, where they needed a place to worship while they're uh, away from Jerusalem. But then the the customs that came around synagogue worship made it a perfect. I, I see the Holy Spirit in this a lot. Made it a perfect platform for launching the church. Everything leading up to it. Proselytes and Jews and all kinds of racism and thing. <laughs> yeah, but the gospel was to the Jew first. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Yeah. So he would go to the Jew first, and then when he kick him out, he would leave the synagogue with whoever had become believers or, or were open to the gospel, and somebody would say, "Hey, come to my house." Remember that lady Lydia? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if she was a synagogue. That was a lady on the river riverbank. But they go to somebody's house, and the church would grow, and it was just. It was totally organic, but it always started with the Jews first. So, and I think there's something there that the church needs to observe even today. That just to Ralph write the Jews it. off, did Ralph uses that? He, writing the Jews off severs us from our roots, and we open the doors to all kinds of nonsense, mm-hmm. like you know, putting statues up in the church to pray to. If the church had kept the priority of the gospel to the Jew first, the church leaders would have thought, wait a minute, we can't preach the gospel to the Jew first with that statue in here, people bound down to it, because Jews will never accept that. They'll run out of our building. They won't, they won't believe our theology about icons and windows, windows to pray through and all that stuff. They won't accept it, so we can't do that. But no, they're finished. We're the new, we're the new Israel. Forget that. They got away from that. That I guess you could call it a mandate. Got away from that pattern, and so I believe it opened the door to nonsense, mixing the, the mixing of the cultures. But like the problem of trying to make people Americans who are in Africa to be Christians. That, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But then bringing Satan worship into the church, that's wrong too, and syncretism. Uh, is where you mix pagan religion with Christianity. I, I found online one time a picture of a Catholic priest offering a sacrifice to a Hindu deity. And uh, that's, you know, our methods can't be anti-scriptural, but they can't be first century methods either. You know what I mean? We we don't blow on ram's horns. I mean, churches do, but I don't know that that really attracts unbelieving Gentiles. One of the perfect examples of mixing what you're talking about is something going on now called Chrism. Yes, We've there got it is. Christian churches that are inviting Muslims in and mixing the religion. And keeping and, Ramadan and, and all that stuff. Sick. It's twisted and it's wrong. Yeah. You know, you can't mix religion with truth of the Word of God and come out with anything but poison. Yeah. That's just... Is it? Uh, but but if you're going to... If you're going to be effective in reaching out to Muslims, you don't want to invite them over for ham. Right. Because they don't eat pork. You know what I mean? You respect their culture without... You you know, you you adjust your message, but don't contaminate... You adjust your method, but don't contaminate the message. Do I have all the answers? No. So can we dive into the book? Let's do it. Okay, Paul. (laughs) 
he introduces himself as that. Um, the name Paul means small. So people think he may have been a little guy. Means what? Means small. Paul Small. Small Paul. Uh, he was named after, he was named Saul, which was like the biggest king Israel had, or their first king. He was head and shoulders over everyone in the kingdom at the time. Um, became a believer. He humbled himself and named himself Small. I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah. A bondservant of God. Now, a bondservant many times was one who had fully... Let's talk about slavery. Slavery wasn't just bad. It was part of the economy of the world. Where it, be, where it becomes bad is where people would, where, would corruptly manipulate people into doing more than what they had agreed to be enslaved for. So you couldn't just use a credit card to go get your car fixed or you know, buy a home or whatever. So you would promise your services to somebody for X amount of years. You'd become an indentured servant. I mean, Europeans came here with that promise. Get me to America, I'll serve you for this many years. But at the end of that agreement, some servants loved their masters to the point they would become servants for life. They'd become a, a doulos surgeon and uh, servant. And they would even have a ritual of putting their earlobe on a doorpost and piercing it with an awl. It's the first example of piercing in the Bible. And wear an earring in that in that ear. And I'm I'm like the chief butler here. I'm, I'm not, it was an honor to do it, but also it was a commitment for life. And so Paul views himself as that kind of servant with the Lord. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, in our day and time, that word apostle is getting abused left and right. You see it capitalized, apostle so-and-so, an apostle this and that, and the vertical apostle, horizontal apostle, geographical apostle, all that. Apostle basically means a missionary or someone sent out to do the ministry of Jesus. So we all are to be apostolic in some way. It was a function. It was not what we see now, this hierarchy in the... You, you, especially the charismatic magazines, you see this stuff, apostle so-and-so is having apostle so-and-so, and it's like, what in the world is this? This is not what he was about. He was a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. Now, Paul believed that God had a people that he had chosen, right? <laughs> and he believed that in two ways. As a Jew, he believed that. And we all believe that. God's chosen people, children of Abraham, brought into the covenant God made with Abraham. All right, But he also believed he was chosen as a New Testament believer because he was out trying to kill Christians. And God blinded him, knocked him off his horse, apprehended him, and almost gave him no choice. It would be stupid to have rejected Christ. Because with his conversion came healing from blindness. <laughs> so he believed that we were we are elected. We're chosen by God. He also believed that doesn't give us a right just to live like hell. So according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement or agreement with or recognizing of the truth which accords with godliness. So Biblical truth creates godliness. It, it creates fruitfulness and honors God. In hope 
of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Now, he's, he's not just introducing himself. He's establishing a solid foundation on which Titus is to stand for God on this pagan island. <coughs> before time began but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. So when he was blinded and fell down, he said, Who are you, Lord? Which is a term of great respect. It wasn't... Yahweh, it was curious, but it was the Lord, a term, a term that you would use to refer to God. And, and the voice said, I am Jesus, who you persecute. So I, I, think, I think he believed that Jesus is God. Certainly believed that he's our Savior. To Titus, a true son in common faith. The word our is added there. Anytime you see italics, generally it's been added by translators to help bring... Um, understanding he was Paul's spiritual son and I believe whether you're married or single you can have spiritual children Isaiah 53 is an amazing revelation of the new covenant Isaiah 54 the next chapter opens same barren woman who could not bear forth young Many more are the children of the of the barren than the children of the married. So we can have many spiritual children. We can be an influence for God. Does it mean they have to call us father and all that? No, no. It means we should try to influence people everywhere we go. Encourage them. Grace, mercy, and peace. Well, those are three mouthfuls. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I'm going to wrap it up here. For this reason, I left you in Crete. And I'll stop right there. Oh, we have to finish the verse. The verses were put there later. <laughs> we can end with that point. Uh, he's about to tell him why I left him in Crete. But first of all, he establishes a foundation that he is he is elect and chosen by God to be an apostle, and he is writing this letter to Titus, his a true son in common faith. So a lot of things he said about himself can be said about Titus.